0: Hello, everyone. This is Adam West. Uh, maybe you're thrilled to my adventures, right, on Batman there? Hmm? my secret true identity, Bruce Wayne, millionaire philanthropist. Anyway, I'm glad to talk to you all and have the privilege of doing the following. Aerial View. Live. live End Times. Talk, talk Radio. Friday. 6 p.m. Eastern East Time. Call 760-422-5528. The Hound. You have a podcast. <coughs> oh, yeah, I invented it. Hey, how
1: you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. What? Sounds like you fell down. I was just doing the intro to my show. I was gonna call you in 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Can I call you back? You know what? Screw the intro of the show. Okay. You're right there right now. So what the hell? What do I need an intro for?
0: Well, I'm in Pedro.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're uh, in San Pedro, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, as a matter of fact, on the program, because uh, you were born there. No. Uh, No? I'm from Virginia. Oh, okay. You were born in Virginia. How long have you been (laughs) in San Pedro? I was born in Portsmouth. That's right. Your dad was a naval mechanic?
0: Uh, well, he called, uh, his rate was a uh, machinist mate mm-hmm. and he got up to chief chief is like Sergeant if it was army and there's a Navy base there called, uh, Newport news. Okay. It's the biggest one in the world, but yeah. if you look at a map, you'll see that Vietnam is a lot closer to Pedro. <laughs> so when I was nine years. I also lived in Norfolk. I lived in Virginia twice, so born Portsmouth and lived in Norfolk. And so, uh, yeah, we got the orders when I was nine years old and I never left. So I've been here uh, 54 years. Wow. And is but, that, is that. What you, go ahead. I should tell you Chris. Yes. Call it. A- more than a month, I've done 67 tours, so I've seen a lot lot, but the bungee cord always brings me back to Pedro
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because last year that's where my wife and I were we were in San Pedro on our way to Huntington Beach to see some friends we had driven up from San Diego and uh, it's uh, the last good what, what I like to call the last good time we had was uh that trip and how has life changed for you in the last year because you were incessantly touring and working so w- what's the last year been like for you
0: uh well for me nothing was ever canceled it's just all postponed you know mm-hmm. life deals you a hand i've had all kinds of situations come on me that was pleasant mm-hmm. i lost the yeah the reason i got into music yeah i mean so that's the way I look at it. So in my case, music is lifeline. Mm-hmm. Since mm-hmm. November, I've been doing five Watt from Pedro shows a week instead of one a week when I'm not on tour. That's so, a, That's got to be a lot it,
1: of work. I mean, those are three-hour-long shows.
0: In May, yeah, but it's about 40 minutes of spiel, mm-hmm. 140 mm-hmm. minutes of music. And I've been in May, like I was gonna say, it's gonna be twenty years. So I've learned a kind of a I still blow clams and fuck up and shit, but mm-hmm. I I I I figured a way to do it, not take too long. I That's... get all the music together ahead of time. I didn't do that first. Me and Brother Matt, we would do that thing live. It would take more than three hours. Now I can do a whole show I'm getting ready for it. An hour and a half. That's so not, it ain't that much. It ain't, it, it, it ain't that much. And the, the, the big reason I do it is I see it as me trying to pay down the debt. I kind of owe the movement. You know, me, Dee Boone, and Georgie, we got to play mm-hmm. in front of the yeah, because people were open-minded, right, and took a shot.
1: Yeah, Greek. it's kind of a remarkable history. I mean, I just uh, rewatched We Jam and Kano the other day just to give myself uh, a boost on the history of the Minutemen. And I should just say, I did you guys care if people said the, I mean, weren't you Minutemen without the the or did it not matter to you? Well,
0: I think articles? Yeah, y- yeah the article. <laughs> did it matter? It's a, it's a, it's a. Well, look. If you want to know the thing about the name, D. Boone had me write a, on a paper a list of them. Right? And, man, a lot of them are not that happening, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wedding, wedding tool, uh, third purse, <laughs> uh, Dick Crane in the blue veins. I mean, it, well, Richard Howe was my first punk rock hero, you know. But, but anyway, I had. You understand that uh, me and D-Boone, first gig uh, we saw was T-Rex. We're uh, we're 13 in 1970, so arena all we know is arena rock. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's why the movement, we really owe a lot. We knew nothing about club culture. In fact, I think the movement was about, was kind of anti-arena rock. It wasn't really a musical style. It was just, you know, of any kind of style thing, get back to Little Richard and fucking Jerry Lee Lewis or something, instead of this Nuremberg Rally shit. <laughs> anyway, I had one of the names of, you know, potential ones, or whatever, D. Boone asked me to brainstorm and come up with all the stuff so he could pick one, it was uh, two words. Minute men, like little guys. You, you can't know how profound going to club gig was after sitting in the dark at, at arena rock it's just a whole different thing when, yeah I, I you know it's it's hard there's another thing about those days no one we knew in pedro here wrote their own songs everybody copied shit off records i mean you know there were certain things that were changed but that's why i do the show i I'm, without that movement I mean, me and D. Boone, we started when you we were 12. You saw the thing, you know. Yeah. So it, it was a way that me and him were together, right? But you wouldn't have heard about us, you know, if it wasn't for this movement we got part of, you know, which was, was pretty. Uh, well, uh, we could, should do, in, the,
1: in the movie, there's a pretty good case that it was his mother that was sort of uh, really D. Boone's mom who was encouraging you both to learn how to play and you specifically to, to take over the base. And so oh,
0: wow.
1: take over the base, take over the base or, or, or take <laughs> up the base. I should say.
0: D Boone did have a base, and, uh, but yeah, that didn't last. She wanted me to be, she wanted us to have a band mm-hmm. because uh, one of the reasons I meet him is because I moved from the Navy housing here in Pedro. To the Praj, these new Praj's that were built next to these older ones where he lived. And there's a big, the biggest park at Pedro Peck Park is uh, connected to these. And that's, he jumped out of a tree. He thought I was his next door neighbor, a guy with a nickname Eskimo. t Boone had real bad eyes. Yeah. Or wore glasses. And they, man, you're not Eskimo. No, man, I just moved here. Did I mean, you look like back?
1: Eskimo? Was it a case of mistaken identity or did he just see a dude oh, walking just, under the tree
0: I can't remember I remember I think his last name was Cervantes mm-hmm. really sweet guy God damn I can't remember his name but really sweet guy a Latin guy you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: so you know when your boys whatever he leaped out of the tree a hey, eskimo and, and all those of his friends and ran away so I was just there and i said uh I just moved here. Can I show you where I live? We big baseball. What's actually three baseball fields, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: three corners of a big ass. If you were in Peck Park, if you were in Pedro, you didn't go by Peck Park. But George H. Peck was uh, he was he worked uh, conductor for the railroad and uh, started buying land in Peter, He helped develop our town. And the railroad's kind of ran our thing. That's why the harbor's there. That's mm-hmm. Anyway, as as I'm uh, taking the boom, to show show him where I moved in and we're going across his baseball fields he starts rattling off these bits and you know I had never heard I didn't know remember we're 12 so I don't know much about fucking stand up comedy or whatever the fuck Uh, but you know I'm thinking this is the smartest fucking guy in the world (laughs) You know, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was like, bam, 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 until we get my pad, and then he says, okay, tomorrow I'm going to show you my pad. So I go there, and he had taken a cassette recorder and off the television, this is what we would do, right? you just be all buzzy and every shit, but you'd uh, just tape right off the TV. And he had uh, this stand-up comedian named George Carlin he had taped off the TV and learned all his bits. He didn't make any of that shit up. Yeah, but it was too late. So, uh, I was, I it was only the fucking next day, but I was so into him. It didn't matter that he didn't make any of that shit up. So his ma that day says, You're, you guys are going to have a band. And Out of I, nowhere, she says you're going to have a band. I mean, was, well, she played guitar. She right. played guitar as a girl, so she had D. Boone taking lessons from this guy in town, who lived in his car. This younger, uh, Roy Mendez Lopez, this guy, uh, tri- trippy cat, but incredibly into music and uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Made his own instruments and shit like that. So, and when I meet him, the only rock band he knows is Creed's Clearwater Revival. You know, he, yeah, it was it's a pretty was good a one tri- to know. You got to know one. Well, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> well, I turned them on to cream and shit, you know, there was that thing, uh, Columbia house, you, you put in a dime and they send you 10, eight tracks and right. send one every month. If you don't send it back, you have to buy it for four bucks. Okay. Yeah. But so, we never
1: did that. We never actually bought them. We just, yeah. We sometimes
0: just, I did like, t- like T-Rex and, you know, I remember getting a electric warrior and us going to see something play and, so I turned him on, but he was playing guitar already because of her, and, and and it's 1970. Yeah. Okay. So there's not a lot of guns, but there's fighting. You know, it's Proj. If you know about Prodig, it, it is a lot of mothers. It is a lot of women. There's that, that are running the show, shot callers and, and strong ladies. And actually, Georgie's ma helped us too because that's uh, we practiced in that shed in her backyard. Or Georgie Tuch- uh, and uh, for a little while, me and Dee Boone lived with my mom. the The, the Minute Men's were really important to the Minutemen. You're right, but I think her plan was some kind of economical child care, keep us in the house after school. Right. She, because uh, you couldn't picture yourself playing the Forum or Long Beach Arena shit, you know. So I don't think she was looking at it as a career for us.
1: She just wanted you to have something to do, just stay out of trouble, basically. Did she? Yeah, that's my, that's my guess. That's my guess. But when you were when this idea was floated that you'd play bass, did you shrug and go okay,
0: or were you like, man, I don't really want to play bass? She goes, I mean, she goes. She goes. You want to know the fucking truth, Chris? I, I really didn't know what a bass was. You, you, okay, I thought it was, in the pictures it looked like a guitar with four strings, and that's what I thought. I thought they had skinnier necks. I actually did not know that one he had didn't have a fucking nut on it. So I I used a guitar with only four strings. Okay, until I was sixteen. Sixteen, I got my first bass, a K for a hundred bucks. I remember I saw it, my first bass, and I knew it was a bass in person at Chuck's out of Music here in Pedro. Uh, I was tenth grade, and I remember. I'm, I'm tripping, I'm in this store and I'm looking at this fucking thing with the big strings and there's a dude there that's, you know, 10th grade is first grade, um, year of high school in those days mm-hmm. junior high 7 to 9 and 10, 12, yeah so you're like so,
1: you're like 15, 14 somewhere around here I'm
0: 15, I'm 15 yeah. in, in, you know, what, September, right, when school started mm. in the first week, right so you're bragging to people in the, in the, in the new homeroom you know, new new cats, right uh, the Pedro High, uh, me and Dee Boom weren't really from that neighborhood. We went to the junior high called Dots in the north part. Uh, the guys all at Pedro High, there's a junior high right next to him uh, called Dana, huh? The Richard Henry Dana, two two years before the mass, that guy. Anyway, I'm uh, badging, uh, buffing badge, you <laughs> know. Kind of a uh, wind bragging, bragging, humble brag. Yeah, I'm, because I see the dude at Chuck's Out of Music, because it's record store too. That's the way music stores were in those days. Uh, Man, look at this thing here. Can you believe it? And he goes, Man, I thought you told me you were a bass player. And I said, Yeah, I am, because, you know, I had been, you know, earlier in the week, been, uh, uh, bragging like an asshole and, and I said I am and he goes well that's a bass and I go I know that <laughs> and I did not know that it was like fuck no wonder there's only four strings <laughs> these are like bridge cables and then that K I bought at that same store Man, I mean this was like William Tell you know uh, the the Archer guy. Yeah, the action was so fucking bad, you could stick your arm between the strings and the frets, man. So it was murder well, on my. I, I got good training to build up my hands.
1: I got to tell you, my first guitar, electric guitar, was a K, bought for a hundred dollars, and I got so frustrated with that guitar. When I finally got a decent guitar, I took it down to the Fish and Clam at the corner, of the restaurant, and I smashed it against the wall of the Fish and Clam. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore because it was so hard
0: to play. This bass, you know what I did to it? I I got a drill, power drill, and took the biggest bit and wrapped fucking sandpaper around it, taped it on there, and took the finish off that way. So there was divots all over the motherfucker.
1: (laughs) You customized it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, it was this uh, weird kind of two-tone trying to look like a a Fender P-Bass or something. Right. And yeah, I took it down to the whatever it was alder or base wood and uh it sounded terrible and so what i I think it was a good trainer it was like running in the sand to build up your strength you know yeah because the action was so fucking bad
1: well the, the one i had was like it was supposed to be like an sg you know like a cherry red sg with a bolt on neck and when I see those things on eBay now, and people are trying to get ridiculous prices, I'm like, "That's a piece of shit." That guitar. I'm sorry, it was a piece of shit back then. It's a piece of shit now. Of course, and... ones,
0: uh, uh, Townsend broke a lot of those.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, I, now I,
0: mine, mine looked like, of course, a, a big guy. I didn't really understand so much, but a big influence on me. You know, most bass. When I found out about it, you know, and. Over here, you couldn't really hear it on the records, except uh, R&B you could. So James of the Motown, and uh, Larry Graham and Sly's band. I, could, right. I learned a lot from those guys. But all the rock and roll bass, maybe a little Joe Bouchard from Blue Ice to call a little Dennis Dunaway from Alice Cooper, but most of it was from overseas. So Jack Bruce, especially, right? Scottish cat. And he he. He played an EB. Well, he started up with one of them Fender sixes, but then he played an EB three. So that's what this K looked like. Yeah. And uh, I got this eight track of an uh, anthology of Cream and uh, for rock and roll, you know. But th- there are other guys over there too John a uh, Geezer Butler.
1: Andy Fraser. Oh, happy birthday to Tony Iami today, by the way. Just want to say. Yeah, his, his bass band. In
0: fact, he wrote a lot of the words. Oh, Geezer's a brilliant, brilliant cat. Yeah, uh, I think he lives uh, here in SoCal. But but the other guys, too, like uh, Chaz Chandler and, uh, you know, on the Kink, uh, Pete Quaint, uh, Kink Records. See, the England producers mix the bass loud. Yeah. Tony Visconti on that uh David Bowie, man who sold the world. He's playing that loud-ass fuzz bass. Where was John
1: Entwistle in this that. mix? Where, where was John Entwistle in this mix? Was he part of this? I, I him second. Oh, you did? Okay. Sorry, I didn't yeah, hear his name.
0: Yeah. He's, way in the, he's way up there, you know? We're talking We're to Mike
1: Entwistle. Watt, by the way. Mike Watt uh, with the Watt from Pedro show five times a week now, uh, as it says on his uh, Facebook and
0: Twitter on bass. So... Uh, Page... Those two commercial sites, too, maybe, but at the Hoot page. <laughs> the Hoot page, and is it uh,
1: twfps.com? Is that the other one? Trying to get it right. Tw. Let's take a look right here twfps.com, and you have an app for your show as well, so folks can yeah I don't know app. why
0: you have to mention those two commercial sites, but I, I've had my own personal Mike Watt site for 25 years. Okay. I was under the impression you would want me to. Not 25 yet. In a few months, it's going to be 25 years. And then the station, um, the show itself has its own website. Mm -hmm. And it's actually an acronym made out of the name, the Watt from Pedro show. Isn't that the one I just just mentioned? I thought I just mentioned that one. WFPS.com. That's actually where the show lives. Okay. That's the one. Right. But. Uh, MikeWad.com, which is the Hoot page. Vlog time. It was Hoot page because some motherfucker was s- squatting on my name. That's not right. That's wrong. Yeah. Well, I got it now.
1: Okay, good. But, it's good to uh,
0: know. uh Anyway, anyway. So go, let's just, let's go back to you. I, your, I like should your... tell you about that show. How I got it. You know, there was. I come from low power FM. Now, when I was a younger man going to college, I got. Uh, degree in electronics i didn't know about radio on campus so i only know about that for being a minute minute and being on the other side of the mic but in the late 90s there was a pirate radio station in silver lake which is about 30 miles north of pedro mm-hmm. right pedro's the harbor of los angeles people that's why i thought it was strange when you said uh Going from Huntington Beach because you can't go through Pedro. It's at the end of the road. You have to want be wanting to go there.
1: <laughs> no, we we wanted to go there. I, I wanted to see. see I wanted to see the lighthouse. We've been there before yeah, and yeah. we we enjoyed we it.
0: actually. We got one on the a breakwater also. Right. But we could see on a clear day because there's a bend. That's why they put the harbor here. Yeah. Peninsula right. Palos Verde's the hill we call it. A lot of Chinquan up there. Yeah. The big place, right. And then on a clear day, because the way – no natural harbor down here. That's why they had to build a breakwater. But you could see HB. They had a big fight with Santa Cruz over. Who won – who's Surf City, USA, I think.
1: Who who won that one? Did anybody win?
0: HB won. I think HB won. No, I mean like court case shit.
1: Now, is that where like Black Flag began? Because I think my friend who was living near there wanted us to go – See Huntington no, Beach. Oh,
0: no, no. They're from another HB town.
1: Hermosa Beach. Oh, that might have been where we went then. I got where, I got them confused, Mike. Forgive me.
0: Where it could, Well, it's easy to do. Yeah. You know, we, we got Long Beach, too, like uh, New York does.
2: Yeah.
0: It was probably first over there. Huh? But anyway, like, HB is like south uh, or east of us. Well, Hermosa Beach, that's about 15 miles northwest. All right. So maybe and, that's where we were headed. Guys, oh. Yeah. Because uh, – yeah, they were going to have like their second, third black flag gig in Pedro because the bass player was living there then. And it was in a heavy part of, you know, Hood, kind of rough, and uh, a team post. And we, 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 they were handing out flyers the only time the Clash played here. And Dills opened up in Bo Diddley. And uh, you they, got, they, he, uh, it was him and uh, Greg, Chuck Dukowski. Well, I was worried about playing in P- Pedro. He goes, man, we're the only punk rockers there. And Pedro has a punk band? At that time, we were called Reactionaries. He didn't like that name, but he didn't like the band. He never wrote any songs for Yeah, it, <laughs> it was the first time I've started writing songs. You know, I did write one song as a teenager, but it was called Mr. Bass King Outer Space. It was just... Obviously, had issues, but you know with that. But anyway, we end up being SST002. We're the second record on the label because of that chance meeting. I think it was because you know it's still the '70s, and uh, most people here hated punk. So it was kind of like maybe long hair before Charlie Manson. Like they were nuts enough to do shit like that. You could trust them. So that's how we met those guys. Anyway. Uh related to that, their first singer, Keith Morris, he had a show on this KBLT. In fact, this lady made a book out of it, ran out of her apartment. I knew her as Paige. It's called 40 Watts from Nowhere. And, you know, I, I think all these people that lived in Silver Lake, you know, had two hour shows. Keith Morris, circle jerk singer, black flag singer, had one on Fridays and he had to go on tour. So he asked me to substitute. And that's my first time. Doing a radio show, and, and and the page lady actually makes gives me my own show the Fridays, eight to ten. What that's, was
1: it what was it called then at the beginning? Well, that's
0: why it's not a lot from Pedro's show because I don't live in Silver Lake. Right. And in fact, you couldn't hear it in Pedro. It, it only went about five miles. You get to the four level downtown, it's gone. Right. You know. So what happened? The government the FCC comes down, and you know this can't happen. And Using the white vans to triangulate the signal and all, you know, oh, we're back, trying when they, to back when they off. cared
1: about that kind of thing.
0: And yeah. so, I get shut down. And so, I'm on tour and I'm conking up somebody's pad up in Portland, Oregon, and they're just starting a company to host websites. And what? This is how you can do a radio show again. And you'll be able to hear it in Pedro or Sarajevo, anywhere with a pewter. That's why I won't use the P word.
1: Yeah, you I know, noticed you empty- don't like
0: that oh, P word. And thing.
1: I'm with you on okay, that because hey, this show goes out live. And it, only after yeah, the fact they, does it become the P word.
0: They don't so, think anyway. Why be a shill? You know, nothing wrong with the products they make and stuff. I, but, it's a, you know, it's like tissue in Kleenex, you know, fuck, give me a break. Yeah. And, I, anyway, I'm getting <laughs> all this stuff. But that's how the Watt from Pedro, it actually comes from Pirate Radio. Well,
1: I mean, I go back to WFMU, which you know was a 50, 1,440 watt radio station that was connected right, to a City. failed college, and yeah, is now in Jersey City, and that's where I started doing radio in, in 1986.
0: So uh, I think they got stage downstairs now. They're going to do gigs when those happen again.
1: Oh yeah, when there's no pandemic anymore, maybe they'll they'll <laughs> they'll open that sucker up again. Who knows?
0: But So how do you go? uh, Why why such the downer on that? Well, because we got careful. Look, I'll tell you something trippy. That last tour I told you I did, right Mm -hmm. September to November, two thousand nineteen. Right, I was sick of getting fucking sick. So that whole tour, now it's forty-five gigs, forty-five days, thirteen thousand three hundred eighty miles. I drove every one of them, and. Not one day of sickness. I didn't shake anybody's hand. And people were pissed off at me. I was giving them an elbow and shit. Yeah. But it, what good of shit is that? And it was just coincidence. Like, you know, the next month. The next it, month, he, it
1: all right. hit the fan. Yeah.
0: But you know what? You learn. You live and learn. That doesn't mean you, just, you, you, you kill all your expression. You just change things to make you a little more safe.
1: Well, you seem to be keeping busy. There's a lot of stuff coming out of uh, your hands and your mouth, so you're you're you managed to keep yourself busy and do stuff.
0: So yeah, I'm uh, glad but- about my hands. I'm glad about D Boone's ma put me on base. So I didn't know what it was, but man, I wanted to be in a band. I want to be with D Boone. So sure, I'm not pissed at his ma, even though I don't even know what the thing is. I'll and get this. Okay, he's got those six. Fuck the seventh record, but the sixth. Real Credence were, uh, records. And of course, he ain't using the covers, man. They're there on the hardwood floor and, you know, an inch of fucking grape juice on. Them. You got to put seven quarters on the stock, a little econoplastic record player. And you need seven quarters to keep it from skipping. I can't hear what the fucking bass is doing there. I just could not hear it. That's why I said those England guys overseas, you know, with the loud bass in the mix and the R&B over here, I could hear. That's how I learned. But how do you you play along with it? Steve Cook played really good bass lines, but you know I wasn't acclimated to it. But I was looking at the album covers, yeah, the singers' shirts, and I thought, wow, you know, I thought that was you know Mark Boland wears a boa. This guy likes, you know, I'm from Navy House. I don't know what fucking lumberjacks and farmers wear. (laughs) I I thought that was his rock and roll shirt. So that's how I actually got into flannels, right. if I wear this, the singer's shirts, maybe he'll still like me. D. Boone will still like me. Well, now, John Fogarty has his own
1: line of flannels. You ever buy, like, one of the Fogerty flannels? Or, or where do you get your flannels from nowadays?
0: I, I didn't know that he had a line of flannels. He's got a line of his own shirts. Yeah. Well, you know, his, when he remarried, and I think that wife uh, turned into the manager, and she's really uh, the road manager guy. Leo Rossi lives in Pedro.
2: Yeah. And he turned
0: things about that he he didn't tell me uh he told me the sound check is the whole fucking set (laughs) (laughs) it's like two (laughs) hours or something i gotta he plays all the songs and he he goes all around the place to listen
1: would you ever interview him by the way have you ever sat down with him or would you you
0: there's a note he wrote me after d boom got killed yeah Um, it's it's on the label of if i put it on the label it says my keep on keeping on
1: that's a nice note
0: beautiful and it is right you know uh but where I get my fl- I don't buy clothes man
1: yeah they just appear on your doorstep <laughs> I, somebody leaves well, them for you my
0: birthday my birthday's only 5 days before Exodus, so both together mm-hmm. and usually levi's right that's all i've ever worn mm-hmm. and i have got like 50 60 pairs i haven't worn because i get them keep getting them you know how guys are right we can wear the same pants cuz the bell is over the belt line right <laughs> so, so well, these shirts would come to me uh, for as birthday and, and Christmas gifts. Uh, and now, when I was uh, younger, of course, uh, thrift stores because flannels were like a quarter at the fish store. Wow, H R I F T.
1: Oh, the thrift store. I thought you said fish store. Yeah, okay,
0: that makes well, sense. The store, thrift store. But I never fucking got any shirts there. <laughs> I was going to say we got, we got you know we got plenty of fish stores here in Pedro, but yeah, uh, we have some thrift stores too. In fact, uh, Salvation Army, right? That, that shit just a lot of the movements outfits. Uh, they didn't you really have a uniform yet, so people made their own outfits, and usually it was from thrift store clothes, secondhand clothes.
1: Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of, like, uh, t- there wasn't a lot of uniforms back then. I mean, when you, when you were getting underway 79, 80, it wasn't like you had to look a particular way. You you could really write your own
0: future if you wanted to, couldn't you? Well, Man, start in January 1980, but we had been going to gigs for three years. What mm-hmm. happened was, we were with our buddy doing Tie Your Mother Down or some <laughs> Mark Weissfosser, sweet guy. Las Vegas. Anyway, it's a breather, so we come out of the pad. And this guy, who happens to be the drummer of the Weirdos, which was one of the first Hollywood punk bands, he told, get this, he must have heard us trying to copy this fucking song. And he says, you know, there is a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. And I know that sounds so fucking stupid, but it was a huge revelation. We couldn't believe it. And then went up and saw the bags the whiskey. I noticed because my sister had taken me to the Tiffany to, to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like it could play every weekend right at the Tiffany. Now we call it West Hollywood. And it was the same people that knew all the words and thrown the toast and shit. Yeah, you, you could. it was like this scene of people. You know, SoCal's 150 towns. You know, you were driving around here. When you fly over, it looks mm-hmm. like one big town, but it's not. It's 150. No one knows it anyway. So, trippy. you know, all I knew was Pedro people and, and then this whole other world. And, like, they let anybody play. It was an incredible scene. And actually, the the, the, big, the biggest band didn't even have a guitar. They were called the Screamers. But it, it's all because of that chance meeting that, that drummer. His name was uh, Nikki Beat. He told us about this scene. Now, we had read something in Cream Magazine or something. I think they called Kiss punk rock. Oh, dear God. Yeah. And we saw yeah. Kiss like three or four times before they had an album. They would open up for anybody. We saw them with Jay, the five-man James Gang with Tommy Bolin, uh, a Wishbone Ash, <laughs> <you> know, Camel. <laughs> they, they'd open for anybody. Nitty Gritty, Dirt Band, Savoy yeah. Brown. They were trying to. They were trying okay. to stake their claim. They were trying to make remember, something. And I remember when the album came out, it was so slow compared to what we were seeing. Also, we taped them off the TV. Remember, I told you cassette, taped yeah. right off the TV. And there was a show in the seventies called In Concert.
1: Yeah, I remember that show.
0: There was a couple of them, a Midnight Special In Concert. Was that the moment yeah. Don,
1: oh, Don, Don, Don Don Kirshner would come out and. And now a band that is unique in the world who hail from Queens in New York. Here is Kiss.
0: And then his son took over. Mm -hmm. Now, he invented the monkeys. And they would film those things where we saw T-Rex at the Long Beach Auditorium. It's gone now. They tore it down. It's an opera house now. But in the back, there was a stage behind the stage in a smaller room. And that's where they filmed a lot of those. And I saw... uh, gigs you know they'd have signs right to to applause and this kind of shit like that uh tapings for these things you know so you're kind of
1: marinating in this musical atmosphere i mean you're taking in this stuff that maybe late many years later on reflection you could look back and go jesus i actually got to see that and that was pretty lucky that i got to see i mean you got to see
0: The i I don't know so much but yeah uh, t-rex man i'll tell you when people ask you your first gig and you tell them t-rex you get the best reactions.
1: <laughs> I got, was
0: really lucky to see that because they weren't that big in the U.S. They're huge in England. Now,
1: uh, my first gig would have been Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So is I nobody, nobody, no, nobody's terribly gigs. impressed by that, right? I mean, that's that's I not. I asleep
0: at one of their gigs. Really? <laughs> I had a buddy, <laughs> this guy me. He was a beautiful guy, the, the guy I knew in California the longest. He he choked to death sleeping, uh, apnea, apnea. Oh God! Sorry that's to terrible. hear. Yeah, he's yeah, a beautiful guy. Terrible. But he loved this band, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and so they play whole albums.
1: <laughs> I I tell you what, we were way up in the cheap seats. Me and my friend Billy uh, Camera, who now lives in Escondido, as a matter of fact, and uh, we we did like on that show what's happening. We snuck in a Panasonic cassette recorder, and we we rec- we bootlegged the show. And we were a million miles away. I mean, I don't know where that tape is now, but I guarantee you, you couldn't hear a damn thing that was happening on that stage. But that would have been the first show. And when I tell people ELP, they just kind of shrug and go, who? Yeah, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So T-Rex is something that, that's really something to be proud about.
0: But but-, but but you know what? People ask me about the old days. Old days was about people. And so are the new days. So even though ELP, yeah, you know, <laughs> I conked out shit. My buddy liked it. And yeah. so I kind of liked it because he, you know what I mean? Right. I also Rush, he took me to Rush. And I I conked at that gig. It was like a kind of opera. It was this?
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not my. It's not my. It's star. not my bag. I mean, I have respect for Rush fans. It just never, got its oh, hooks into me. Unfortunately, but get this, you know.
0: I saw him again. Yeah, right? that was in like the late seventies. Then I see him again. I don't know, five, six, eight years ago. A friend of mine wants me to take her. She. Uh, I knew the promoter, and I conked at that gig too. Like like thirty <laughs> years apart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what shows kept you awake who actually kept you awake i mean what what uh who who, who were the people that you'd like if, I, if only i could see that show again That would you, be you
0: want to know about arena rock our favorite arena rock gigs was blue oyster coat we saw them like eight times seven or eight times maybe.
1: from my uh hometown uh you know from, from the place that i grew up from long island blue oyster strong, coat. strong a... island yeah, yeah strong but, island the, not play... too
0: far from i uh, just read his book uh rock
1: yeah Wow, it's originally known as Soft White Underbelly,
0: and then they yeah, well, in became... Stock Forest Group, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, now and they went to this SUNY called
1: in uh, uh, Stony, Brook. Stony Brook, yeah,
0: and Rock Kim wanted to be a quarterback there, but they yeah, you're too little, so they didn't let him. And, and in fact, those guys are little. And I got to uh, be really good uh, friends with the Bouchard brothers, the the bass and the drummer.
1: And so, I mean, of all the bands, well, Blue Oyster Cult. That, so, was Blue Oyster Cult uh, well,
0: Blue something Oyster that Cult all of Minutemen
1: enjoyed, or, or was that just your thing? I mean, did D Boone
0: like them? And oh, D Boone was way George, into it. But, oh, yeah. Buck Dharma. he loved Buck Dar- Of course, D Boone, his main influence was John Fogerty. Yeah. And, and by that extension, that because John Fogerty was way into Scotty Moore. You know how that is.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Things, you could hear it. You could hear him yeah, playing. The
0: that cascade, thing. right? So, also, the the, the third guy in D. Boone's uh, influence was uh, Pete Townsend. Yeah. So he's this weird mix between John Fogarty, Buck Dharma and Pete Townsend. There's a song on the second Blue Oyster Cult album called Hot Rails to Hell. And this is where Dee Boone gets his whole treble thing. Yeah. Also it's part of the politics in the band. See D. Boone thought the lyrics were just thinking out loud. He thought what, what made us political band was he wanted the drums and the bass be as loud as the guitar. And with the R&B bands, Nels talks about it in that documentary. And the R&B bands, they play really clipped and real treble, so they give the bass and drums lots of room. And that's so D-Boom was taking cues from that. But his playing, if you listen to his lead guitar, a lot of buck dharma. A lot of fucking buck dharma.
1: That does stand out about those records, is that you guys occupy your own sonic spaces and you're... It's it's not something you heard a lot back then. A lot, back then, a lot of the records sounded sludgy. You couldn't really distinguish, especially if the bass was sort of just playing.
0: No, he thought it was like making things uh, egalitarian. And of course, me and Georgie were into it. <laughs> In fact, the biggest fuck-up the Minutemen did, we should have had George Hurley at the front of the stage. He shouldn't have been in the fucking he, back like that's, that.
1: Yeah, that would have been cool, like if he was dead center well, and the you guys were on either I've side. I've had
0: my drummers downstage now. I yeah. never play with the drummers behind me now, if I can help it. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's rhythm music. What a fucking bunch of deniers. Wow. Well, George never asked for
1: that. He never said, hey, put me in front. Come on. Because of
0: the tradition, right? Yeah,
1: it's tradition.
0: the walls are in our heads? Here you are, breaking all these
1: traditions, and yet, that one yeah. remained. I know. Was he even on a riser? Did you guys build your own riser, like a lot of bands did? You like get some plywood and two by fours? And-
0: no, that was, in those days there was a lot of politics and being an opener. Mm-hmm. Like when we played with Black Flag and the Ramones at the Palladium. It's a cover of Hank's book, right? They they made a riot. And they they mm-hmm. came through. Uh, the uh, Monty, that uh, Ramones manager, wouldn't let us be backstage we had to go to a little room on the side that's where the hombres came through with the fucking sticks what? and the shields and uh when we did our gig we were only allowed 25 of the pa i think black flag got 50 yeah just weird shit yeah our amps were louder than the pa damn <laughs> but, yeah but yeah so some traditions were like lame ass and they deserve to be broke. I think what, where does, I want to know, because you use the word egalitarian.
1: I want to know like what, how that was so endemic to, to what you guys did. I mean, why, why were you so uh, thoroughly? On,
0: look, look at our situation. Uh, well, we're boys in the sixties. Okay. So we're right. not men. We we're, 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 can't say we're real conscious or anything, but shit's going on like, uh, civil rights, free speech, anti-war, uh, people in the streets and stuff like this, I think some of that had a uh, residue on I mean, us. The country's born out of protest, right?
1: Right. But not every band would call themselves working class that came out of like, like 1980, for instance. I mean, you guys were proudly working class. So what,
0: w- why? Yeah, well, that just happened to be the yeah situation. Yeah. Uh, Dee Boone's. Pop put in radios at the Buick uh, dealership. Georgie uh, Pop worked down here on the docks. Well, like I said, Minute men, right? De- yeah. Yeah. someone said, "No, make one word out of it, and and call it Minutemen because there's these motherfuckers. He says they, they go back to the 30s and shit that were trying to But pro- he said appropriate patriotic symbols. And he said we could dilute that by calling ourselves the same thing." And it happened to us, too, later on in, in the 90s. Some idiot, I think they embezzled money and shit. They're gone now. But so there was some of these clowns uh, guarding the border or something like that. So that's where it comes from. D. Boone took my name. Now, I was reacting to our arena rock situation. My Nuke Man. And comes Minute Man, And then, and then uh, that's kind of, yeah, political because it's from the, the revolution. I found out there was a Boston band in the 60s called the Minuteman. So... But, but, really tripped me out though a uh, uh, pop culture reference was I was at first tour of Europe you know black flag brought Minuteman first time me Georgie and D. Boone in Europe and there's this in in Holland we go to a museum and there's an installation kind okay. and his wife it's called Barney's Beanery you know like that place the, the in, place uh, in la yeah. right right well west hollywood yeah. had a notorious sign you know a bunch of shit especially if you know that neighborhood <laughs> and uh <clears throat> all the faces are clocks and on the fucking jukebox it's as it, the song is uh in a militant mood by the minutemen <laughs> so i think they made that up i don't think it was a real band or a real song but it was in that thing so you know uh Whenever you make kind of expression things and get them out there, and mix them in with all the other kinds of symbols and expressions, there's chances that there's connections, even though, what is it called? The law of unintention, un- unintended consequences, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's more about how it was, Chris. We weren't thinking that. We What we were thinking was, man, here's a scene where people write their own songs and they let anybody play.
1: Yeah, I mean that could be very heady. Why were you guys intimidated by that at all, or did you just think nah, of it as like this, it is, this is this is a was, lot of freedom for us?
0: For us, it was the go word. Yeah. Like, and you could tell that these people, you know, you know, you'd they'd have fake names and wear funny clothes, but but deep people, but you could tell they didn't really fit in. Mm. So in a way, it was a parallel universe. This thing wasn't Mersh, man. It was the same hundred faces every week. Right? <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it was, it was a moment in time, and we were just lucky to be there, I think, and it rubbed off on us big time. The whole idea, actually, it's a tradition that goes back to uh, Walt Whitman talking about Long Island, right? Yeah. He, he, he prints his own leaves of grass in 1855. You know, there a, was a song, there was a band up in the city called uh, Black Humor, and they had this one tune where they go, the only thing new is you finding out about it. And that's the way it is. And a lot of the things, what we learned in the movement, because you know, I did 125 months with the Stooges, and you know, I saw you with the Michigan Stooges of- at
1: Jones Beach. Speaking of Long Island, uh, yeah, that
0: was a trippy neighborhood. Yeah, that was. Uh, days. Yeah, we did practice it. I, I, I anyway, got it. I learned through those guys that there was garage bands, there was little labels, all that stuff. It just got rolled over in the early seventies by arena rock. Mm-hmm. So we had reinvent it or find out about it ourselves i didn't know the stooges were living in hollywood in the early 70s playing the whiskey all the time you know i'm going to see uh kissing t-rex so, and you that, could
1: have you could have seen the stooges You mean and you weren't aware if i
0: known about clubs yeah, yeah i didn't fucking know they
1: didn't have they the internet know. then talking to mike watt uh the Watt from pedro show five days a week at this point's pretty remarkable it's a lot of work it, TWFPS.com. Ah, it's salt mine. Too. It's hardly work is what uh, Mike is trying to say. <laughs> I got to ask before we run out of road about two things. And one of them is the Stooges and the other is, is San Pedro itself because um, I, I noticed the, the housing prices are go- starting to really get insane there. And, <laughs> um and I, I don't know how you feel about that, man. Is it, are things getting to the point where the overflow from LA from like Silver Lake, the aforementioned Silver Lake, people deciding to move 30 minutes south or making the housing prices insane?
0: Anything by the water in SoCal. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, ours aren't as insane. Uh, you know, I pay 1000 a month for a an apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, two-bedroom. And uh, we got to work in harbor. We got the biggest harbor in the world. It used to be Port uh, Elizabeth near you. In fact, the can was invented. A guy named McMillan, Sealand. Huh? Mm-hmm. Took them all those years. Yeah, here they had railroad boxcars. It took them all those years to figure out uh, cans instead of fucking pallets. But that's one thing uh, that kind of, but anywhere by the water, man. You said you were hunting in Huntington beach. Next to that is uh, Newport Beach. Mm-hmm check out them house prices of balboa island that shit oh my god it's crazy north, you know uh, where tom watson my missing man guitarist lives manhattan beach right in fact that's the only solid bedrock in the harbor when we have an earthquake it's all go liquefied except Manhattan. that's where it's got its name manhattan beach and george h peck developed that too did Pedro manhattan beach had the only black beach in socal bruce's beach until uh, mysteriously the bathhouse got burned down and then yeah it was there's some weird fucking shit. There was Klan in this fucking town. I mean, things change. But there was they also Brotherhood expect- Raceway. I was reading about
1: Brotherhood Raceway oh, yeah. today and, and Big Willie Wilds. Robinson. he
0: lived here for two years. Yeah. At WW Hall. In fact, the Klan marched on it and tarred and feathered people in 1923, 100 years ago, or 98 years ago.
1: Well, th- I got to ask, did you ever get to Brotherhood Raceway? Because I'm kind of fascinated by this Big Willie Robinson yeah. guy. Well,
0: that's Terminal Island. There's Terminal Island. Island between us and Pedro. Yeah. It's called Terminal Island, right? The railroad. It was right, uh, the native people. We had people called Tugva here. They part of Chumash. And they called it Rattlesnake. But, like told you railroad was running the shit. And uh, that's where the Navy base was. So when I came here from Virginia, that's where my pops boats. That's where we come pick them up at Vietnam tours. And that's where they uh, had this uh racetrack.
1: Yeah. The racetrack. That- uh, ran from 74 to 95. Apparently everybody went down there. I was just reading a Sports Illustrated article today. That
0: was, you know what I was into was more uh, uh, Lions because and, and, uh, it was N-H-A-R, uh, National Hot Rodgers, N-H-R-A. Yeah. Whereas Brotherhood, Brothers was more... Uh, like a
1: street racing thing.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I saw, you know, the funny cars and uh, my favorite was the Gassers. I love those old Willys and shit. I'll cut it. I'd get my... Uh, they'd give us... Uh, tickets to these drag races Lions and Irwindale, the two tracks, for getting uh, subscriptions in the newspaper. We call it, it was a News Pilot, right? And We called it the Fish Wrapper.
1: <laughs> man, Lions must have been cool. That's where the Munsters did that episode of uh, Hot Rod Herman. Man, was Lions well,
0: they, they had Lions Track. You know, well, Monogram trip. had a whole series of these kind of weird ass dragsters, and theirs was one of them. Yeah, yeah, there was that a was Aaron uh... one with the big helmet and uh, yeah.
1: It's funny how people miss racetracks, man. They, they wax refsodic. You yes, ask them about their childhood racetrack, and they go on and on, man. Mine was English Town because we had relatives in English Town. And we okay. would go to New Jersey and, and hit, the, hit the drag strip. I think well, that's.
0: Gardena, what about this kind of racing? Uh, figure eight with doom buggies, or something called Speedway with the motorcycles with no brakes, just a steel shoe on the port side, and <laughs> flat track, also sprint car. That was uh, that was called uh, Ascot it was where the how was the commercial goes? He's saying where the San Diego and Harbor Freeway's collide. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, they'd have figure eight racing with no jump, right? in demolition derbies. What, what what was the best cars for demolition derbies? Uh, I
1: would I would have probably chosen personally, uh, you know, a Cadillac with lots of trunk space to it. I, it's, a, it's a GM a wagon.
0: Station, station
1: wagon. Yeah, that's good. A lot of crushability. You're right. Station wagon.
0: And then uh, John Coltrane's favorite tour vehicle, Country Squire station wagon. Oh, man. Vans didn't, yeah, bands didn't. Ha- the van was still new. Right. Nobody put right. in vans yet. Fucking first Econoline was actually called a Falcon for a couple of years because it's on a f- Falcon frame.
1: Do you own a van currently? A friend of mine wanted me to ask oh. you if you currently have any Econolines
0: of course they stopped making them in 2014 mine's a 2005
1: yeah is it like a car in cuba where you're going to keep this thing alive no matter what you're going to keep it running no matter what
0: it runs good it's got yeah. a v10 triton 6.8 liter nice uh yeah not uh, you know you don't need, i've never been to the floor on the pedal it gets you gear to the gig it's the center of the touring uni- universe
1: nice and it's oh, empty yeah, in the back? Yeah. Is it a cargo
0: van? You got room for everything? Of course. Or it... Of course. You want the right. shit coming forward and killing
1: you. Yeah, that's true. You,
0: you know, that's why baby stuff. seats were invented. It wasn't to save babies. Because of babies touring bands? cannonballs. Oh, okay. Gravity's, gravity fools people when everything's... You know what I mean? Yes. Once you get into an accident with uh, kinetic energy, it's fucking ping pong balls. Sounds brutal. Before we run out of road, Mike, what I got
1: to ask you about the Stooges and... How that Look, came about? Because I mean, from from what I heard, it was pretty much Jay Maskus and you and him playing Stooge's songs. And then how did the, how did the call come in that you're going to be in the no, band? No, no, or... no,
0: uh, if you think an Ig, yeah, no, no. Me and Jay Maskus played with Ron Ashton. Okay. And Ronnie hadn't talked to Ig in 29 years. Now Scotty would call him. His brother would call Ig all the time. Let's do a reunion. Ig would be no, no, no. So. I just had this sickness. It's 21 years ago now. Yeah. And almost died from this shit. And as soon as I got well enough, it's the first time I had to stop playing bass since D Boone's Ma put me on it. Because they had tubes in me, you know, and I couldn't put... So anyway, I thought the best thing was get on the saddle. So Jay Mascus had this project called Jay Mascus in the Fog. And uh, here, Watt, play bass for me. You know, learn these songs that I made on this album. And fuck why don't you do my comeback gig after healing up was I just wanted to do a gig of Stooges song. So I got him and Murph to do uh, what was that club on in Manhattan? Brownies.
1: Oh yeah. On, Brownies on second. Avenue. there
0: was also, yeah, right. Right. And then uh, shit and factory on Leonard street, not the house didn't But anyway, uh, uh, he really liked that. So he said, look, two thirds will do my stuff. And then, last third we'll, we'll do stooges and you could sing. Cause I don't like singing all the songs every day. And then when we got to fucking Ann Arbor, you know, Ronnie, cause Ronnie would come to my gigs, minute man, Greek town, part of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what do he have? He was in that band, dark carnival, the Colonel Niagara's man would bring him in. So I kind of knew him. And I, and I did this movie soundtrack with him, uh, called, uh, Velvet Goldmine. All right, yeah,
1: the the movie just, that was kind of based on Bowie and a,
0: well, kind of. And, and there's Iggy, one guy yeah. that's kind of like Bowie. One guy's a cross between Kurt Cobain and Ig. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it was trippy. Kind of. Todd Haynes made it. Todd it Haynes trippy.
1: movie. Yeah, it's not a bad film. It's isn't it? Ewan McGregor in that or something? I dimly recall seeing that. Uh, yeah. I can't so you end up I
0: mean. on the soundtrack in
1: that, and that's that's I'm
0: recording with them. So yeah. Steve Shelley, they got the the. Uh, Last Sonic Youth drummer because he's from Michigan, Midland, and so in, in Thirst, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm sitting across, I'm seeing the, the guy who wrote TVI, you know, play uh, recorded playing it, you know. So Jay says, you know, you know, Ronnie, call him up. So we were playing the Blind Pig, and which is kind of generic name, but it's actually called that in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. town, right, about forty miles west of detroit and so ronnie comes down and we do stooges songs with him so jay says come on tour with us and we do that and we do a europe one too then uh thurston uh, curates an altima's party at ucla here at socal And, and scotty uh is living in florida i think he's living in his truck and his idea man you're playing with ronnie Let's get his brother. We'll rent him a drum set. So me and Jay play with, and it's called Ashton, Ashton, Maskus, and Watt. And that's where Ig heard about it. So Ig invites those two guys, you know, his old bandmates, to play on his Skull Ring record, three songs. And then there was an offer for Coachella. And I thought it was going to be one gig. And Ig calls me up. I was on tour with my second man, Tallahassee. I think at the Cowhouse, the second one. And. Uh, you know after sound check the, uh, at the bar the phone and it's fucking egg you know and he goes hey Mike uh, Ronnie says you're the man and I fucking couldn't believe it <laughs> it was like what and he says look would you do me a favor and wear a t-shirt instead of a flannel I said fuck yeah it's John Fogarty's idea anyway <laughs> and, and then he went on and on about uh, having a nightmare about the drummer in lime green and the bass player in bright orange or shit <laughs> You know, and finally we get to the music. He goes, now look, however we end the songs, that's how we're going to end them. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what the fuck that meant. Two weeks later, I leave my guys in Memphis, and I fly to SoCal, and we do a prac in Hollywood. And then the next day, at the prac, I realized what he was talking about, because the songs on the, more than half the songs on the first Stooges album fade out. They're
1: just fading out, yeah. Wow.
0: So that's how I they're going to end. Yeah, I thought it was some philosophical, <laughs> what do you call that in Buddhism, uh, a <laughs> koan.
1: When the <laughs> song wants to be
0: over, it'll I, be I over. I was really right. fucking sick. I yeah. was really sick. I got sick on the airplane, but I didn't want to let them guys know it was like there was a fucking 20-foot pool cue up my yang.
2: Oh, my so God. Gotcha. Just
0: me, the two Aston brothers, and Ig in this prac room, SIR, right on Sunset Boulevard, that's all mirrors, and man, it's like a gig. Iggs running around and shit, and I fucking couldn't believe it. And then the next day's the gig, and uh, fucking, like th- 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 it burned the sickness out of me. I went back and did thirty five. The, straight the gigs rock and roll gig. made you well. Yeah, I yeah. Flew back, rejoined my guys in Raleigh. We did thirty five straight gigs, and yeah, yeah, that was incredible. And then, and then, I thought that was the only gig. And like I said, one hundred twenty five months.
1: Now, did you also play with James Williamson after Ron Ashton passed? Were, were you yeah. part of that yep. lineup as well? So, How many shows did you say you did in total with them? It's quite a few.
0: I know more about the time. Mm-hmm. 125 months. Wow. You documented
1: a lot of that, too. Weren't you writing about well, the
0: experience? The hoot page is diary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't use that B word. It's a diary. Yeah. Diario, huh? Yeah, well, what's up this <laughs> jargon? Fucking jargon.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm with you on that. I like, yeah. I like when people say, okay, so they, I, Do you I, I ever like say diary. I journal? Do you ever use the journal word or do you, you don't do no, that no, either? I like diary. Diary. Okay. Yeah. The diary's it all up there. Seems day,
0: right? Yeah. No, I got day. it. I got it.
1: Jesus Christ, we have like less than two minutes left. I can't believe it. I've been talking with well, Mike. Well,
0: it's, it's therapy for you. It helps me keep uh, my focus on tour. Yeah. But then I can always go back and I can check out shit. Right. You got a record. You got a record of what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this guy who was doing all these rock and roll, well, he's a representative of some fucking publisher I won't mention because they're dicks. They said, I'd have to tell it to somebody because I don't write. Well, I write poetry, I mm. he said. But I don't have to write an autobiography because I got my diary up there. It's for free.
1: Yeah. There you go. If you want to read it, you can go to HootPage.com. And if you want to or hear... What was that?
0: Or MikeWatt.com. I got a pointer.
1: All right. MikeWatt.com. Or, or you could uh, also download the app for to listen to the show, the Watt from Pedro Show. which. I mean, dear Lord, you are one of the hardest working musicians I've ever had the pleasure to speak with. And we got to do it again because the hour just flew by and there's a lot that's still on the table. The shit I want to ask you, Mike, I really appreciate you. I'm going to be on your show in May. We're going to do some log rolling. But I I want to thank you for being a mensch. You're like an uber mensch. And everybody I asked about you said the same come thing. Come on, come on. Everybody I asked about you said the same thing. They said he's a great guy. Like to a person, they all said he's a great guy. So thank you for not being a dick. It's really appreciated.
0: My papa's a dick. <laughs> no, Maybe that's James why you're Richard not. James Richard Watt, I never heard him called James ever. Maybe the Navy called him that. Yeah. But he was yeah. he's a dick. and never Richard when my mom was angry or something. But Dick, yeah, his mama called him Dickie.
1: Yeah, wow Well, uh, it's a, a pleasure to speak to you We're going to do it again But as uh, Mike just said I'll, I'm going to be on his show sometime in May I think like May 17th or 13th Or something like that I'll update you And again, thanks Mike Watt For speaking to me this whole time And we'll do it again here Appreciate Absolutely.
0: it Absolutely, anytime you want Yeah,
1: Mike Watt, there he goes And again, uh, MikeWatt.com And TheHootPage.com And TWFPS.com That's one of the strangest aerial views I've ever done Richard Hell, Joe Strummer, and John Doe Me and Mike Watt playing the guitar